sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Happy Thursday. Happy football Thursday to those of you who are into that sort of thing. Of course you are. You're watching us. Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. It is September the 24th, 2020. Football, of course, is back tonight, but we got plenty of other sports to get to, including the last few days of the 2020 Major League Baseball regular season. Of course, a huge night for a rookie in the NBA last night. And, of course, we'll touch on everything happening in college football as well. We'll bring in my co-host, Joe Pizapia. And, Joe, certainly will look forward to having football back on the tube again tonight. But here where I live in South Florida... You can only imagine the kind of excitement that we have going on here as the Miami Heat stand one game away from the NBA playoffs. The Miami Marlins stand a couple of wins away, it would appear, from the 2020 postseason. So uh, my my TV remote is just flipping all around these days. (laughs) Well, that's good. Uh, Mine will be set on the other of Miami team, the Dolphins, tonight, and I'll be watching that for you. So you take care of the Heat. You take care of the Marlins. I'll take care of the Dolphins, and we'll cover all the Miami stuff. And you're right. We are getting to a close of the Major League Baseball season. And I don't know about you. I know it's only 60 games. But my goodness, I'm exhausted from baseball. Maybe it's the amount of games. Maybe it's the two games in a day every day and all this stuff and these wacky slates. Just trying to keep up with who's in the lineup, who's out of the lineup. It's been exhausting, I got to tell you. I'm looking forward to baseball playoffs, but I'm definitely done with the baseball regular season. I am ready to move on to playoffs, and that's going to be fun as well. So, And, uh, of course, that expanded format, which is going to be great fun, and I'm hoping we get more of that in Major League Baseball. Once again, less, less regular season, more playoffs. It's better for everyone. Yeah, I, I think we're probably headed in that direction. For me, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, I, I really feel like the season went by very quickly, and, and I wish there was more. Uh, but, you know, again, I'm I'm always uh, in on the baseball stuff. And unfortunately, this is the end. I usually feel that feel, you know, tired of it at the end when there's 162 games. But I feel like this thing just started. I only had a chance to go to about 10 to 15 games this year. So uh, but either way, uh, no doubt it's an exciting time for sports. And we'll start off with the most exciting team playing right now in the NBA. That is the Miami Heat up three games to one on the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, and Tyler Hero, their rookie, scored 37 points last night. Not Jimmy Butler, not not Goran Dragic, not Bam Adebayo. It was Tyler Hero, who has been uh, fantastic as a rookie, probably not going to win Rookie of the Year, but will finish near the top, probably second or third, somewhere along those lines. But fantastic last night, and the main reason why the Heat ended up winning in another close game yesterday could have gone either way. Tampa Bay Lightning take a 2-1 lead over the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup Final. Lightning no stranger to this spot and certainly taking a commanding lead in this series. The Rays win the American League East for the first time since 2010, so congratulations to them. Early this morning, we found out that Steve Cohen officially is the new owner of the New York Mets. He's also the CEO, by the way, named himself the CEO. That's interesting. But Sandy Alderson is going to become the team president there, so you would have to imagine that with the way that Sandy runs his business, he's probably going to want his own guys, so I would expect some turnover there potentially for the Mets. And as we mentioned, the Jaguars will host the Dolphins tonight. The Jaguars are three-point favorites in this game. 
Well, let's start with the Rays because we talked so much in the previews about how this shortened season was tailor-made for the Rays for two reasons. Number one, the Red Sox were probably not going to be competitive, and they were not. And that was taking that out of the equation. Number two is you wouldn't be looking necessarily in the short season for the Yankees or the Red Sox in their current condition to be acquiring these big-time contracts, these big-time game-changing kind of guys. You would see them acquire the trade deadline, which inevitably was the death for the Tampa Rays every year because they just don't have that kind of payroll to compete with those kind of moves. And then they're the wild card and then they get bounced. And that's kind of the way that they go. This year was going to be very different for them. And it proved to be correct. They are a team that is basically all matchup play in a short season to match up. However, those hitters, however they wanted those pitchers and those bullpen guys to a certain extent where they were able to then go ahead and win this division. So great them for the Rays. As a Mets fan, I have great respect for Sandy Alder. I don't want him anywhere near the organization. I want new ownership. I'm not new people. I want new everything. I understand there's something about, well, bringing in somebody who kind of knows the inner workings, and I get that. That's what a consultant is for. I don't want anybody having a job again who is part of any other regime. I want a fresh start. Why I was excited about new ownership. If new ownership is going to go going backwards, what do I get Terry Collins next as the manager? I can't do this, Craig. I, I thought we were moving forward. I thought I was going to have some sort of closure. But again, we're backsliding, and I hate it. I can't deal with it at all. Wow. I mean, Alderson's a Hall of Fame executive. Um, I don't think he's going to be running. I mean, he's overseeing the baseball operations, but he's going to bring in, I would assume, Joe, a general manager that's going to that's going to handle the day-to-day. But uh, your opinion is fair, if, if that's certainly how you feel about it. But I thought uh, up until the end when he got sick and he couldn't really be around the team, I thought he did a pretty good job with the Mets. They were competitive every year. They just fell apart at the end. But maybe that's part of it, too. So uh, certainly we'll see. I, I would expect some changes to be made there. And whether it's the manager or the general manager, we're going to have to find out pretty quickly. But if it is Brody Van Wagen and he'll be perfectly fine, he'll go right back to CAA. If it's Luis Rojas, that's really unfair because he was never really expected to be in that spot with the whole Carlos Beltran thing. But uh, Mets have some work to do there, no doubt. Uh, Ray's really interesting because what what everyone seems to be saying, the people that I speak to, is that it doesn't really matter where you're seated. It just matters who's hot at the end. It's what everyone is saying. For me, I'm not so sure about that. I want to see that play out because, for me, the teams that already have nothing to play for and can actually rest this weekend. Remember, nobody has any days off in baseball these days. And and I think that there is some advantage to the Rays and the Dodgers getting a couple of days to just kind of go through the motions this weekend and rest some guys. At least that's the way that I see it, but we'll see how it plays out next week. Speaking of which, our baseball standouts from a fantasy perspective. We've got that next coming up on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We've got plenty of fantasy football discussion coming up a little bit later here on the show. We're going to check in on the game tonight, of course. Andrew Erickson will join us a little bit later go over some potential quarterback issues in fantasy. And specifically speaking, is Justin Herbert the real deal? Can you start him this week against the Carolina Panthers? We'll answer those questions just a little bit. If you're watching on demand, hit the fast forward button. If you're watching live, stay on the grid and hang with us for the next 10 or 15 minutes. All right. It was two home run night in baseball last night. That's pretty much fair to say based on at least what I saw happen on the field and in the box scores this morning. So let's get right to it and let's get into it. We'll start off with the Philadelphia Phillies whose backs are against the wall these days 
after blowing some very easy games over the last couple of weeks and probably over the last 60 days as well. But they showed up in a big way yesterday, and Bryce Harper, bad back and all, came through. Two home runs, 13 uh, for the season, two RBIs, two walks. The Phillies are now a half game back of the Marlins for the East second place spot. This is going to go right down to the end of the season. Danny Jansen may have been inspired by that rookie hitting a couple home runs in his debut <laughs> because he had two home runs yesterday and had four hits, three runs driven in. Uh, speaking of catchers, Salvador Perez, two home runs. He now has 10 on the season and five runs driven in. A name to watch for the postseason, and I think next year too, Randy Arena. Remember, he did not play in the first mm-hmm. month for Tampa Bay. He was at the alternate site. He came over in the Libertor deal. Two home runs yesterday. He now has seven, three RBIs. I wonder if the Cardinals are going to regret this deal because Arena looks really good. Uh, Jake Cave from Minnesota. I'd love to see Jake in another spot. This kid is just never going to get an opportunity to play every day in Minnesota. When he does, he seems to play pretty well. Two more home runs yesterday, three RBIs. Miguel Cabrera, who uh, is... You know, certainly not the same Miggy Cabrera we've seen in the past. Had two home runs, seven RBIs. We heard a lot. I heard a lot going into the season that Cabrera was in fantastic shape and was going to have a great year. The numbers certainly do not indicate that, although they have been respectable, but at the tail end of his career, no doubt. Uh, closing in, by the way, on 500 home runs. Closing in, by the way, on 3,000 hits. I think he'll get both of those next year. And then finally, Trevor Bauer of the Cincinnati Reds pitching on four days rest. That's how important this game was to Cincinnati. And wouldn't you know, in the biggest game maybe since uh, the whole drone incident, eight innings pitched, one earned run, 12 strikeouts. He improves to five and four on the season. And after the game last night, of course, there were some people who were critical of the decision by David Bell to start Bauer on four days rest, not knowing what he would end up doing. And what he did last night was pretty much put him right into that conversation for is Bauer the Cy Young Award winner? Yeah, all you all you guys in the media worrying about me going on short rest. I told you guys, I tell you guys, I don't speak from just a feeling like I can do this. I know, like I said, I don't have anything to prove to, to myself. So hopefully you guys can back off on that storyline now. Um, but... It was, it was good. I mean, we needed a win. And, uh, you know, we, got, we went out there and put together a full team effort. Uh, bats swung, you know, guys swung the bats well. Tuck did a great job behind the plate. Guys made some nice plays in the field. So um, meant a lot to, to get that series win and put, put ourselves in a really good position uh, to do what we set out to do this year, which is make the playoffs. And then, you know, once you get in, it's anyone's ball game. So we're, just, we're trying to get in and then see where the cards fall. Seemed like your curve. And Bauer probably will pitch a game one scenario if the Reds get into the postseason, Joe. Of course, Sonny Gray is back for them, and so is Luis Castillo. And so I would imagine that other teams looking at that with the way that they're pitching right now have to be a little bit fearful as to what potentially the Reds could be. If they're the eighth seed, oof, I don't know, having to go to L.A., that's going to be really tough for them. But any other team, I think, that they would face in the first round could certainly give teams fits, but... I would ask you, Joe, if you bet this at the beginning of the year and you looked at it, and DeGrom was certainly the favorite to win the Cy Young, followed by Max Scherzer. We know Max is not going to win the Cy Young, but it is Darvish, it is DeGrom, and it is Bauer, and at least from the – and look, we could change our opinion tomorrow based on who pitches tomorrow, but for right now, I think Bauer's going to win the Cy Young Award. Well, like I said, I I, (laughs) – huge for him to go into the – and I think teams should be a lot afraid 
of that trio of pitchers. Even the Dodgers should be afraid of those kind of pitchers. When you can throw guys out like that who can go seven innings and all of them can drop huge starts potentially, I think everybody should be very fearful of the Reds right now. They are the team, kind of like the Nats last year, that's getting hot at the right time, and that is something to really keep an eye on. And it's not a surprise. Going into the season, we talked about the Rays in the first segment. Segment two, we're going to recap what we talked about in the previews for Cincinnati, which was they are going to go however Trevor Bauer goes. Because you imagine Gray and Castillo will be pretty good. It's what are you going to get out of that third spot in the rotation? Well, it looks like they're getting a Cy Young candidate out of that third spot in the rotation. And that's why the Reds are right there in the playoffs. And that's why the Reds have an opportunity to make a good run in the playoffs. They have been absolutely on fire lately. And Trevor Bauer has carried them. Now, he's pitched like the one. And that's fantastic. Because if you look at last year, Trevor Bauer pitched like a guy you had to bump out of the rotation. So it's funny to me that he could sit there with the media and talk about, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's always fine. Well, if everything's always fine, then what happened last year was the second of the season. I think is always not fine with Trevor Bauer, but I feel like Trevor's always at his best when he's always the world against Trevor Bauer. So if that's what the dude needs to do to get him right, hey, God bless him. It's working. It's great for Cincinnati, Craig. And going back to the other uh, guy that you kind of highlighted there for a moment, Arena. You know, the Rays always do a great job of targeting those guys in other systems that are kind of blocked or they're not getting the love or maybe the other prospects ahead of them. And they find them, they bring them over, and they make them relevant. Arena has been a guy on FanDuel we've been talking about on the podcast for a couple weeks now who is hovering right around 3K or less most nights. And he's been a good play every single night because where he's hitting in the batting order and how he's hitting in the batting order. So good job by the Rays yet again, finding pieces from other systems that they could turn around, plug in there, get productivity from. I don't know if anybody does it better than they do. They have to do it that way, and they succeed time and time again. What's interesting for me going back to Bauer, and in terms of a Rosarina, I've seen him the last couple of years in spring training with the Cardinals, and he you know, certainly looked like he was a Major League Baseball player, but uh, look, the Rays have untapped something here. He looks a lot better. I mean, seven home runs in two weeks is, is nothing to sniff at. He had two home runs in a game against Miami, too. But as far as Bauer is concerned, it, it does become probably one of the more interesting offseason stories because of what he said in the past. But, Joe, I have to think that he's going to have to walk back the statement about always signing, wanting to sign a one-year deal because he is going to be the hot commodity in terms of pitching in free agency. He's basically guaranteed himself a $200 million contract this offseason. <laughs> you think there's any scenario where he can t- where he just fills that narrative of what he said he's going to keep doing these one-year deals and you know turn down 200 million from texas or turn down 200 million from seattle you know they're going to jump back into it again they, that's what they're saying they're going to do in the offseason i can't see that i think he's got to get the money right uh look when you start seeing those two zeros after a two guaranteed money you'd be absolutely nuts now one thing I could say about Trevor Bauer is he flirts with absolutely nuts sometimes. So yeah. if anybody's going to be crazy enough to pass on that, it could be Trevor Bauer. But at the end of the day, I think the people around him, certainly the agents, the management, his family, everybody's saying, hey, Trevor, listen, this is a good offer. You take this. You're a pitcher at any given moment. Boom. Poof. All of a sudden, it could all go away. So I think you have to be aware of that if you're Trevor Bauer, too. And uh, look, it, he is good television. He is fun social media fodder. There's no way around that, whether you love him or you hate him. And sometimes I do both at the same time with Trevor Bauer. I love him and hate him equally. And he loves that. That's like his MO. 
but how do you turn down a guaranteed contract as a pitcher of $200 million, which is what he's pitching himself into? I just don't see that ever happening. I think that's completely nuts. And I know he's completely nuts, so it's not impossible. But if you want to put a percentage on it, I would say it's somewhere around 90% that he would take the guaranteed big-time contract because at the end of the day, that sets you for life. At the end of the day, it sets his family for life. And look, we all know pitcher injuries can happen at any given moment. But Trevor Bauer would be crazy not to take that money, don't you think? He would. And, and by the way, he's probably not done. He's probably going to start game one for the Reds in, in their postseason if they get there. And you can imagine what would happen if he pitched well in that game, too. So I, I can't see it. But again, he is a different cat. Maybe that's his his call. We'll have to see. Uh, all right. Huge game tonight in the NBA. West Finals, Lakers and Nuggets. we got the tip drill coming up after Chris's update. Then we'll be back to preview tonight's football game. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everybody. What's going on? I am Greg Sussman, joined today by Jeremy Stein of SportsGrid. He's here to break down game four of the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Nuggets. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. This is shaping up to be a fantastic series, as expected. LeBron James, for the 49th time in his career, led his team in points, assists, and rebounds. Truly amazing. He's so good. Is that you don't even have him in your lineup tonight? You're going away for LeBron James, despite or in spite of what he just did in a loss to Denver. Denver could be up 2-1 right now if it's not for a miraculous Anthony Davis three. But speaking of Anthony Davis, he is once again your MVP. What he does on the offensive end, what he does on the defensive end, he's been spectacular. You're once again riding him for double the points. Correct. And... Look, if you look at Anthony Davis, he played really well last game. He played a lot of minutes. He played 44, I believe, and he's probably going to play that again in tonight's game. That is more minutes than LeBron James. But one of the reasons why he didn't score that many fantasy points was because he had two rebounds, which is an all-time career low for him in any regular season, preseason, or postseason game as LeBron continued to rack them up. I don't expect that to be the case tonight. He should revert to the mean and the rebound category, so I think he's a spectacular play. He wound up with actually 42 minutes, but like you said, all those other numbers across the board, they weren't good. And tonight, they're going to be better. He's priced a little bit less than LeBron, and it's worth it to go with AV, get those double points here as your MVP on FanDuel tonight. Now, the player that you were building your lineup around last time along with Anthony Davis was Jamal Murray. And that's exactly what you're doing once again here as your star. He's worth $13,000. We know Murray is going to have to lead this team. They want to get back into the, into the series. They did that in game three. They'll try to tie it up tonight here in game four. He was absolutely spectacular in game three, and I'm expecting a lot more of the same. The offense continues to run through him, and he is showing that he is right now the best player on the Nuggets offensively. He's just absolutely fantastic, and it doesn't seem like there's anybody that is capable of guarding him on the Lakers except for LeBron James. And that's really what you expected before the series began. It was going to have to be LeBron on Jamal Murray uh, to make trouble for Murray. And I don't know 
even the great one can do that at this point. Murray playing so well throughout this NBA playoffs. Now, right before lineups locked, you and I had a tweet that was saying, hey, for an extra $500, I can get Jokic in the lineup. Are you sure to fade him? And the answer for game three for you was yes. Well, tonight, after the results of game three, you're putting Jokic back into your lineup here. He is your pro. You're getting 1.2 times the points. Why go back to Jokic here tonight? Part of it is a function of price, and part of it is the point distribution spread. A lot of the offense is still flowing through Jokic. It's him and Murray, but it is a little bit more spread amongst the Nuggets. However, if you look at the Lakers, it is bifurcated. It is simply Davis and LeBron. Everybody else is not racking up a lot of FanDuel points, which makes them very difficult to start in any multiplier position. Therefore, Jokic is by far the best play in this position. Trusting what we know, right, with Anthony Davis, with Nikola Jokic, and with Jamal Murray. LeBron James, the most expensive player on the slate is someone that we're fading here tonight in order to get some value here at the utility spots. So Jokic belongs in the pro spot. So moving on to utility here, Jeremy, you mentioned that the Lakers are just focused on two guys, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Everybody else is a bystander. Last game in game three, you went with Danny Green as one of your players here uh, to make sure we got in the lineup. Tonight, you're going with a different Lakers player, and that is Ken Tavius Caldwell Pope. Pope is $7,500 tonight. A very, very nice value. This is probably one of the cheaper players on the board, I would imagine. What makes you into KCP this evening? Well, unfortunately, with the lineup that I have just built, you are going to have to play a Laker. The Nuggets, on the whole, are more expensive, and that's because the point distribution is more spread. KCP, though, he's playing close to 30 minutes per game. So for me, at about, you know, let's call it 0.8 FanDuel points per minute, that is more than enough for him to hit two times value. He is cheaper than Danny Green with less variance, so I feel very comfortable with him in the utility spot. Speaking of Danny Green, you could actually afford to get him as your other utility here tonight. Alex Caruso, another player we went with in Game 3, also available to you. KCP, the nice value on this slate, though, and gives you more options here for that final utility position to get KCP into your lineups. That's going to do it for us here on the NBA Tip Drill. Jeremy, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight. Thanks. I'm looking forward to watching the Nuggets potentially tie the series. Like we said before, this series could easily be 2-1 the other way. We'll see what Denver can do here in Game 4. The longer the better, because it's more fun for us. For Jeremy Stein, I'm Greg Sussman. Thanks so much for watching. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you back here tomorrow to preview the next game in the Eastern Conference Finals. All right, thanks a lot, Greg and Jeremy. I am looking forward to that game tonight, especially if the Marlins get rained out tonight in Atlanta. Looks like some bad weather there, so uh, we'll see where we stand with that. Of course, the NFL game is the Miami Dolphins and Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Dolphins got off to a really tough start last year, and then were honestly, in the last final eight games, one of the best teams in football. They ended up going to New England as a huge underdog and winning outright and you know, kind of knocking the Patriots out of their season. They would have had a home seed. They didn't get it and then immediately got knocked out by Tennessee. 
But uh, we're going to take a look at the Thursday night game tonight, Joe. And and certainly the Dolphins don't have to travel very far to Jacksonville. They just have to take about an hour plane ride up there and uh, spend the night overnight. But they are getting three points tonight against the Jaguars, certainly two weeks ago. If I would have told you that Jacksonville was favored in this game, you would have said no way. How is that possible? But they are playing better than Miami is. But the line essentially tells you that they are not better because every home team, if the line, if it's even, is going to be a minus three. That's the way that it works in the NFL. The total is 48 and a half. And that's another number that you never would have guessed would have been that high two weeks ago. I would have said, give me the total in the Dolphins-Jaguars game, Joe. You would have said, oh, 42, 43, 44. But the way that defenses are in the NFL right now, you can't make a total lower than 45. You just can't do it. There's so many touchdowns being scored. So uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins tonight. It's not a game that I'd bet, but it would be one that I would lean. I just think that these are two even teams, and it comes down to the end. And when the games come down to the end, I want the points. I don't think one team is that much better than the others. And so... It is uh, the quintessential coin flip for me in this one. So that would be a lean only and not one that I would recommend betting on. Yeah, honestly, I don't like that one at all. One of the props we're going to talk about actually as we go on with this game is actually, I think, far more interesting to be wagering on than necessarily the spread here in this game because it is Thursday night football. It is, you know, even though it's a road game for the Dolphins, it's not an incredibly distant travel. So uh, it's a very unique scenario here. And look, the Jacksonville Jaguars played very well. They've scored over 60 points in the first two games. And I think the Dolphins have, you know, had it tough. They've had to go play the Patriots and, and play Buffalo, two very good defenses, the two best defenses probably, obviously, in that division. So this is going to be a simpler uh, defense for them. But we also have to see some of the injuries that are going to take place in this game and whether or not DJ Shark is going to play. He did not practice yesterday, so that is a huge loss if he does not play. My guess is he will. The question is, how healthy is he and can he make a contribution in this game? It's good that Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault and Robinson have all played so well. But still, I mean, it comes back to how well Gardner Minshew's played. He has really kind of stepped his game up to another level, which is terrific. And I don't know if this is a real test of him, to be honest, against the Miami defense. And uh, for me, I think when you look at potentially the over and under of the passing guards of Gardner Minshew, this is one to keep an eye on because over the last 10 games, the Miami Dolphins have given up almost 297 passing yards on average. On average, drive that home for you. And Minshew's been pretty good out of the gate. To me, of all the wagers you can make in this game, that might be the most appealing is the over for Gardner Minshew because of that number. That is a very strong trend over 10 games to be almost at 300, not to mention two and a half passing touchdowns on average over that same period of time. To me, that's a pretty strong trend that you could even, you know, go ahead and make that wager on Gardner Minshew on the over here. Craig, what do you think about those stats? Yeah, and when you look at Minshew's numbers the last two weeks, what the FanDuel Sportsbook did is put it in the middle, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't think that he's a 330-yard passer tonight, but I also don't think he's a 173-yard passer against Indianapolis. The one thing that I would say that Minshew really has in his favor tonight, and I would not say it's to win the game outright, because the one thing that Gardner does is he makes mistakes. And when he does that, the games go sideways. Sometimes we saw that a few times last mm -hmm. year, and we saw it against uh, Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago. He just was able to bounce back from that. Uh, is Byron Jones is not going to play tonight for Miami, and that was their big free agent signing. 
one of the top defensive backs, I would say, in the AFC. Looks like he's going to end up missing the game, so that certainly does play a factor. Uh, but Jones is also a really good run stopper as well, and maybe him moving up is going to have to change things a little bit. Maybe Miami focuses more on the passing game and says, hey, look, James Robinson, we know you had one good game. You know we, you know you've looked good for a couple different times. Maybe they let him run a little bit and stop that passing game because Fitzpatrick is very similar to Minshew. He doesn't have the mustache. He has the beard. But the reality <laughs> of the situation is Fitzpatrick tonight broke for 400 yards and five touchdowns, broke for 100 yards and five picks. And that's why I think both quarterbacks are very similar. I think there could be turnovers. Uh, if I had to go with one side or the other, I would side with you on the over in terms of the passing yards. But, again, I like a lot uh, more games this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I will be watching this game tonight, though, no question. Uh, for fantasy purposes, I don't I don't think that I have anyone in this game at all. So I don't, even though either, the total is pretty good to start somebody in this game, by the way, 48 and a half. But, I, I, Joe, I don't mm-hmm. have anyone in the game tonight. you have anybody yeah, playing I, I, in the game? No, not active. I got some Preston Williams shares that I'm looking to see. Uh, obviously, after he doesn't have to face the Bills secondary and the New England Patriots secondary, if he could step up into the void tonight and start to be the guy that I thought he might be a sleeper. So that's the guy I got my eye on, but he's not my starting lineup. Yeah, Ford has been playing quite a bit for them, but we'll see. All right, we'll take a quick time out here on the show. Plenty more to come. More fantasy football discussion with Andrew Erickson. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And it's time for a little past, present, and future with our good friend Andrew Erickson from Pro Football Focus. He joins us every Thursday because he's just a really nice guy. He does me a favor. We talk to him about what went on last week, what's happening right now, and what's going to happen in week three in the NFL. And uh, I don't know about you, but it was certainly a tough week in terms of injuries for everybody. And I feel like there's been a massive overreaction to some of the names that are on the waiver wire and some of these running back situations. So, Andrew, Let's break it down for the people here. In your opinion, this waiver wire week where everyone's going crazy, blowing a lot of fab on guys like Deion Lewis and and some guys like, you know, Wayne Gallman and Devonta Freeman and Jarek McKinnon. Is that all going to be a waste of money in the end? Or are some of these guys worthy streamers in your opinion? I think that Jarek McKinnon was the person that I looked up as, as the top option. I think that if you just looked at his production over the past two weeks, you know, playing with Raheem Mostert, playing with Tevin Coleman, you know, he was averaging just over 13 fantasy points per game. So he was already doing some, he was providing teams fantasy value even beforehand. And now, okay, he has more opportunities. So you had more opportunities to a player that's already been producing, and that should result in more fantasy points at least. So you think, okay, at least McKinnon's going to score me 13 fantasy points. Okay, I can deal with that. But I agree with you when you talk about guys like Mike Davis and, you know, Christian McCaffrey is going to come back at some point. Again, this guy is a total grinder. I remember last year when Barkley was announced to be out for months, he came back in like three weeks. That wasn't ultimately the the best move, but it hurt hurt all teams that invested into Wayne Gallman, you know, last year. And and again, now this year you have Deion Lewis, you have Devontae Freeman in the mix. I still think that Deion Lewis, you know, he was a player that, you know, I was able to get on waiver wires really cheap. Because it was right before Devonta Freeman got the signing, and he was definitely the big name. And I agree that Freeman would be the, the big name to target because I think he just he's a full down back. We've seen him be, you know, a top running back in this league for multiple seasons. But at 
the same time, Dan Lewis has been there. He's been there with Joe Judge before, you know, who's come from the New England Patriots, where Dan Lewis had his most success. So I can't imagine he, that he's just going to be totally phased out, especially in the passing game. And if we project that this Giants team is going to be losing by a lot of points, <laughs> it's going to be Dion Lewis that's going to be the guy that's going to benefit the most and not necessarily the guy that's getting the early down work with a team that's going to be trailing and, you know, running behind a pretty bad offensive line. Now, you, you made a touch there about CMC back in a couple of weeks, hopefully. But then again, like Saquon last year, when he rushed back from that similar injury, it was not good. So that being said, uh, is is Christian McCaffrey a guy you should be looking to trade right now? Because we know if, if you rush back and it's not right or if the Panthers keep losing games, there might not be any sort of I don't know, impetus for them to want to rush him back. And chances are you're in a tough spot already because how many teams that Saquon or CMC started off two and oh, probably not many. I would imagine they're at least one and one or maybe more likely oh and two from these first couple weeks of the season. So is CMC better off right now in terms of maybe trade him away to another team that sees that big, you know, big time number one overall player and doesn't realize that it might take at least six weeks for him to be CMC again? I would say so. I think that if you can move him, this is probably the the best time because especially if he's eating up a roster spot, it depends on if you have an IR spot in your league. I think that maybe changes a little bit different. And that also makes him more tradable if you do have an IR spot, because at least the person knows, hey, I don't have to waste the roster spot on a black guy that's not going to play for me. So but again, you know, we don't know how he's going to be back when he comes back from the injury. And I always talk about you never want to buy damaged goods. Like it's really, it's yeah. really, really hard to, to get that investment. And, you know, maybe, you know, you take 10 shots on injured players, maybe two hit and you end up benefiting from it. But it seems like more often than not, it's usually not a good move. Yeah. Health is king. Uh, and speaking of health too, it looks like right now with the Rams, Daryl Henderson, another very popular pickup this week might be the most healthy running back that they have left. It's not the easiest matchup, but did you see enough out of Henderson last week where you're encouraged? Is this guy going to be the lottery ticket? Because I know after week one, we all thought it was Malcolm Brown. He's dealing with a finger issue. Cam Akers is hurt right now. So does Henderson have an opportunity to at least get back in or maybe even run away with this job? Or is this just going to be a committee no matter what? I do think that Henderson is actually in a pretty good spot this week. I don't think that Akers is going to play at all. You know, whenever they talk about guys being day to day, it usually means they're week to week. And then when they're week to week, it usually means it's like <laughs> more like multiple weeks. They're always trying to downplay it. But I was encouraging to see that Henderson got some work at the goal line when Malcolm Brown was out. And again, Malcolm Brown's dealing with some type of hand finger injury. Like that's pretty important when you're trying to control the ball, especially you would in, think uh, you would I mean, think you'd want to hold on to it. You know, it's like, well, you are holding the football and running with it. You would think it's important, especially in those key situations. You're at the goal line. You know, why would you want to give it to the, a guy, give the guy a ball when he has a hand injury? And it's like, OK, like, don't fumble. Like we can't fumble at the goal. line. that's the worst place you can do it. So and, and then the matchup, I think that it's actually not as bad as you think on paper. You know, you look at who the Bills have played. They played Miami and they played mm -hmm. the Jets. So two two teams that don't really come out as, hey, we're offensive juggernauts. I don't think that their defense has really been tested. And looking back last year, their defense was solid, you know, across the board against quarterbacks, against tight ends, against wide receivers. But the running back position was the one kind of Achilles heel that that Bills defense had last year. And I think that we're going to see that exposed a little bit here in week one or week three. I think that Daryl Henderson is going to be the guy. Uh, I feel like there's some sarcasm there when you're talking about the uh, the offensive juggernauts of of Miami and the Jets. Boy, the Jets. I mean, geez. And then they're going to Indianapolis this week. That's a uh, well, let, let's let's continue on, if we may, with a couple other running backs before we start looking at present. And in the past, this past week, we saw Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on Thursday Night Football just run amok. 
and Chubb was the guy for the first half and Hunt was the guy for the second. And man, that looks like a really good game plan. Now, I understand it's only the Bengals defense, which is, well, pretty terrible. And uh, we all know that. But is there enough for both of these guys? Because I hear some people saying, oh, there isn't. But I'm of the mind that there is. And I know some people say, well, if you have both of them, it's a no win. Really? Because I'm pretty sure if you had both of them this past week, you probably won your contest. I do think that the Browns are operating. You know, we see these teams every once in a while come along that, hey, this team supports two running backs. Hey, this team supports three wide receivers. Hey, this team supports you know multiple tight ends. There are these one-off teams that do these certain things that's kind of a little bit different than what we usually see from these different NFL teams. And I just think the Browns, you know, they don't really use, they haven't been using the tight ends. You know, David Njoku has been hindered. You know, Austin Hooper is definitely not in line with the offense yet. You know, he's a new player, so it's going to probably take him a little bit more time. And that's what I was concerned about was the addition of the tight ends and Kareem Hunt. But it still looks like, hey, Kareem Hunt's more comfortable. We're going to give him more touches. I think that down the line, we could see the tight ends get involved more and that would come away from Kareem Hunt. But as of right now, I mean, you got to feel pretty good about putting Kareem on in your lineup, at least as a flex yeah. play, because, you know, he's getting good touch. And I mean, he's a good player. You know, I don't, you know, I don't like the guy, but he's a good football player. Well, good. And that's our job. Our job is not to dole out justice. Our job is to help people win fantasy leagues and, you know what? I got all the Kareem Hunt shares myself this year. Well, only because, you know, I could pay a second round or a late first round for Nick Chubb, or I could get a fourth or fifth round Kareem Hunt. And it just seemed like, well, that seems like a much better investment to me, considering the attrition of running back position. Why would I want to do that to myself? All right, let's talk about the present right now. And the present looks like it could be the future <laughs> for the Chargers is Herbert is going to get another start. What a strange, bizarre set of circumstances. Tyrod Taylor has a mysterious injury. Turns out it's self-inflicted by the team doctor on the Chargers. Poor Tyrod Taylor cannot catch a break. Here's the question, though. If Herbert has another really good showing this week, potentially, uh, against a, a, a Carolina team that's very beatable, is Taylor even going to get a shot to get that job back? Because you drafted Herbert to be the future. This defense is really good for the Chargers. Do you think you saw enough out of Herbert? I know I was surprised, but did you see enough there where you think he could throw up another good game here, good enough that you start to really question, well, should we just turn the page right now instead of waiting? It's interesting the comments that Anthony Lynn made about, you know, they couldn't do certain things with Justin Herbert. I guess that makes sense. I mean, everyone was kind of cut off guard. They had the whole game plan around Tyra being the quarterback. And I'm honestly probably, you know, the Chiefs were probably caught off guard too because they thought mm -hmm. they were going to play Tyrod Taylor as well. And it kind of reminds me of the time when Tyrod Taylor was replaced by Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker Mayfield mm -hmm. came yeah. into that game, I believe it was against the Jets. And he came into that game, he lit it up. And, you know, the Jets after the game were like, yeah, we we were prepared for Tyrod Taylor. And then we got this pocket passer and just it didn't mm -hmm. work out. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that to, to how Justin Herbert was in his first game. So not to say that he can't. I mean, he did look really good. And for a guy that, hey, you're just going to play now that didn't know he was going to start for him to come in right. like that, I think is really good. And now they're going to prep for him. But at the same time, now there's some film on him. So, so teams right. can now adjust a little bit more. So I guess I wouldn't necessarily expect him to produce like he did, you know, over 300 passing yards. He had a rushing touchdown. I'm not so sure that I'm going to buy the bandwagon that he's going to be this immense fantasy guy. But the thing that's encouraging is the targets to the running back. You know, if you have mm -hmm. Austin Eckler, this is a yeah. blessing in disguise because he, you know, the team went from 3% target share to running backs in week one, all the way up to 20%. So yeah. that's really encouraging if you're an which is more normal. That's more of the Chargers MO anyway. So I expected to I respected that to come back a little bit to with a norm. 
But even so, you're right. It, with with a pocket package like him, you would imagine it's even better potentially going forward. Uh, you're you're definitely you you basically said all the things that I said yesterday about Herbert when all this news came out too, which is hey, there's also more film on him now, so let's see <laughs> if we can find some of the uh, the inefficiencies that he has in his game because he is a rookie, and I'm sure there are plenty. Uh, Leonard Fournette is not done after all, at least not yet. So many people wanted to write him off. It was a very good game for him. Not a great matchup this week, though, as we look to the future here for Leonard Fournette, because Denver is Denver. They're going to grind it out. It's in the mile high air. Brady never plays all that well in that stadium. So I guess the question is, it's great that you had Leonard Fournette have that game last week, and he probably had it on your bench. Are you going to put him as a flex RB this week against Denver? Or does the matchup give you pause where you want to sit on it again and say, you know what? Uh, I'm glad it happened, but I'm going to wait another week to put him in the lineup or do you just say, Hey, no, that was enough. And you move forward with Fournette as a starter. So this is a very fluid situation. This Buccaneers, <laughs> this Buccaneers That's why I back- need you. That's why I need you, Andrew. You got to help us with the fluid situations here. This Buccaneers backfield just, that's all we hear about Bruce Arians talk about is just, you know, who's the running back going to be, you know, we're going to use McCoy. We're going to use Jones against Fournette. And he came out actually after this game and said, that he likes Jones as still a starter and that he wants to use Jones on early downs and early in the game. And then he likes having Fournette. He likes having fresh legs at the end of the game, which, okay, like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'm not going to project, you know, Ronald Jones to lead the team in, in carries this week. I was, you know, you watched the game and you saw that missed exchange between him and Brady and, you know, you didn't see him play that much after that. So I have to imagine that there's some coincidence. That's not a coincidence that we saw that nope. happen with, with Fournette or with Jones and Brady. So, I mean, Fortnite obviously looked great, but I mean, the the, the matchup is tough and he's not, I don't know if he's going to see the same amount of carries that we would really like for a guy to, to beat a, you know, a tough matchup like this. You know, the Broncos held Derrick Henry to 3.7 yards per carry. It, it took him 30 rushing attempts essentially to get up to over hundred yards. And there's no way Fournette's going to see even close to 30 rushing attempts. And James Conner last week, he averaged 6.6 yards per attempt, but that was again because of a long touchdown run at the end of the game with less than two minutes. So the Broncos have been bottling up these running backs and I can't trust anyone in this backfield right now. I, the matchup's not good enough. Last week it was because it was the Panthers. Right. And they have a terrible run defense. So I was I felt comfortable playing Jones or Fournette just because I knew one can bust one. But I really don't want anyone. Honestly, if I have Fournette, I, I would honestly just, just trade him and just sell high. <laughs> well, it's a good point. I mean, it might not get higher than this right now. The problem is... I mean, it's, it's tough to get rid of a running back right now in fantasy football. You want to hoard as many as you possibly can uh, before I let you go. Now we got like a minute left or so, but uh, our Patriots, not such a bad start to the season. I know we lost Sunday night, but I got to tell you, I was very impressed with the effort level. They look pretty good against Russell Wilson in Seattle right up to the last second, literally the last second of the game. I'm encouraged. How about you? We'll see him in Tampa Bay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was really encouraging. It was a wicked fun game to watch. You know, wicked, you know, my Massachusetts heritage well, is coming out. Came the- all the Patriot fandom came out at one time. You said wicked in the Patriots in one moment here. So there you go. But it was a lot of fun. And I mean, Russell Wilson, man, that guy's so good. Just five touchdowns, less than 30 passing attempts. He's just insanely good. And Again, I don't think this Patriots defense is that bad, but when you're up against Russell Wilson and they just let him sling it, he's just so hard to beat. But, you know, that's one of the best teams in the NFL. So for the Patriots to lose on a goal line stand on the road with with no fans, but 
I think that's good for the it's good for the Patriots. There you go. And Andrew Erickson's good for your fantasy team. So go follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. Check out all of his work at Pro Football Focus. Andrew, as always, great stuff. We appreciate your time and your mind. So we're going to hit a break. We come back more fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. we got a whole hour to go here, and on tomorrow's show, we have a very special guest, the winner of the million-dollar prize on FanDuel is going to join us here. Of course, we'll talk with Jim Sanis, get you prepared for this week. Jim will uh, help out as well as Joe and help me win another $5 this week. Can't wait to get involved in that, double my money. It was just so big, I could almost retire. And, uh, and Howard Bender and I will, of course, go over our Super Contest picks which we have to do better on this week. We're six and six. Uh, is it we're six and six, five and five after two weeks? Yeah, it's 10, 10 picks. Okay, so we're 500 after two. Okay, now uh, let's take a look here, Joe, at the updated odds for MVP because there's one name that has moved up very significantly to the point where no value. Why? Let's have a look here. The favorite to win the MVP in the NFL is Russell Wilson at plus 270. So before the season, at eight to one or ten to one or whatever that number was, great value. Now there really is none. So uh, we're going to have to be contrarian here, Joe, and find a different option other than Wilson if you're going to bet it now. Lamar Jackson five to one, Patrick Mahomes five to one, Aaron Rodgers eleven to one. I know you're going to say Kyler Murray is a possibility here at thirteen to one. So maybe I should just let you run with that. And uh, Dak Prescott at fifteen to one. Um, but you know, for me. It, it just may be uh, going with either Jackson or Mahomes, the winner of Monday night's game, right? Like whoever wins that game Monday night's going to mm. have the worst odds on, uh, on FanDuel. So probably got to get involved in that now. Probably. I mean, that that's where obviously as you get closer to the end here. You only have one team that gets the buy now. I and mean, that, that is a big difference. And then that team's also going to have home field for the two games they play to get into the Super Bowl. So this is a huge game potentially here for these two teams. Uh, and I would agree with that sentiment quite a bit. So far, we wait for that. And I would say the, the five to one on Mahomes is probably the way that I would be looking right now. Um, just because Lamar had such a great year last year. We'll see if he can repeat it. But it's not surprising to see Russell Wilson up there. I mean, this was the guy we were talking about for weeks leading up to these kind of things. So the fact he's moved so much, he's gotten off to a great start. Let's see if he can keep it going. But I don't think Murray's realistic. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back next, our headlines. And then is the wrong team favored in the NFL? Got that for you coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 